All right, welcome back to One Way Ratchet. Dan here with my man Greg. How are you doing today? Very well. How's it going over there? Uh, it's good. It's good. Back out west, as you know, back to a brand new sparkling clean city, surprisingly. Tell me all about it. How was it? Oh, from yeah. SFO to wherever you are, how was it? Was um, it just magical? From zombie apocalypse for years. I, I was gone for a few weeks. I come back to visit my kiddos. And lo and behold, the whole city is cleaned up, cordoned off, cleaned up. You wouldn't, you, if you know anything about San Francisco, you would not recognize the place right now. It is, it's unbelievable. What, what can I say about the problem of homelessness and whatnot? But man, it, it was just nice to see a, a clean city, a city the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I know, you know, listen, I know this is a Bitcoin podcast and we're always <laughs> yeah. talking about financial stuff and, and inflation, but it does remind me of something and i want to say that milton friedman said it i'm not 100 sure but when he was asked about inflation he said inflation is just policy government policy and policy can be changed right so if, if policy if, can be changed right if, if you're experiencing that in san fran with whatever changes occurred in the last couple of weeks it's just policy i mean it's, don't policy. Tell me it's not fixable at some level it's just policy well, well I, before this whole thing, they could have possibly thrown up their hands in the air and said, it, it, maybe it's just not fixable. They really have just outed themselves. <laughs> they were quite good at fixing it, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was amazing. And really fast. And I don't really know what they did with the homeless people because just, I've just come back and I, I, I haven't really been following it. But it's not like they, they solved the problem, of course. But the fact that they were they were able to do so much in such a short amount of time really tells you something. Yeah, plus, I mean, they telegraphed it like uh, like Earsay leaving Baltimore in the middle of the night. I mean, <laughs> it, it was unreal. Like all of a sudden, I think. And by the way, I'm I couldn't be further from San Fran where I'm now in Miami. But holy crap! Like, talk about just you know, in the in the middle of the night, closed door meetings. And because think about how how many different parts of the the government you need to to do that. Oh, sure, oh, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was uh you know it was, it was amazing, totally flying under the radar. So in a way, like good for them. Yeah, yeah. No, I, but, I weirdly, I mean, it's so look, it's so obvious. What the whys and in in the whole you know the whole problem of homelessness is such a massive thorny issue. No, no easy obvious answers. I get it. I'm glad no one has tasked me with solving this problem in any lasting way but it's good to see at least something which is that we're still able to do things when we put our minds to them and even if it's a band-aid even frankly if it's a Potankin village you know just to show the show our our friends overseas you know this this beautiful city um it, look at least we did it I, I i at least now there is it also i think might stiffen the backbone of politicians and voters here to demand it, right? Yeah, well, not just there, but but everywhere because well, everywhere, yeah, happen is, here. because it, this it, is going to turn it around. This is this goes from because you're right; it does out them in that. What the fuck have you been doing for the last few years, right? But now, they, now you can totally turn it around and say, "Yeah, well, fine. You know, we had our issues, but now we fixed them, or we're on. The, we we we're capable of fixing them. And now, when there's a red state that is, you know, dragging its feet." Now it's, you know, the, the shoes on the other hand, as they say. 
So because oh, yeah. well, look, the, the, this this problem of homelessness it's it's a worldwide issue and it's it affects red states too, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. not San Francisco is the obvious punching bag, but man, it it is everywhere. Every time I go yeah. anywhere these days, you notice it. But it is staggering that look, all it took is the president of China to come to get it done. How about all the people paying for everything in the city? How about all the taxpayers? Do, do they have, do they count in this equation? Yeah. Right. Now you know how the kids feel when you're like, Hey, we're having a, we're throwing a party, clean your, you know, clean the place up. Well, yeah. Well, that is, do you see, that's what Newsom said, right? I mean, yeah. literally like you have people over, you clean up. Well, that's okay for mom and dad. It's not okay yeah. for the governor. I mean, I get when your fancy friends come over, sure, you want to clean up. But how about the people paying for everything? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, we'll see. Yeah. Like, we'll see. <laughs> it, uh, um, it's fascinating times. Um, anyway, look, so a little, little aside, but really wanted to get in this one. I, I, this is one of the topics that, you know, we've talked o- offline a bit that I am super excited for. And I think it's, I think it's a couple of things. First of all, I think it's such an important thing for people to understand about Bitcoin. And at the same time, as we'll get into right away, it's so misunderstood. Or I should say so few people really understand the havings, what they mean, how they work and what their implications are. So this whole episode is about the havings. But I wanted to start, I just wanted to query you on this, about what your experience has been about the havings and people in your circles and what have you, what sort of feedback have you gotten from people you know about the having? Yeah. So, that, okay. So that's a really interesting question. I know that you and I have talked about it quite a bit and I've deferred to you in not just explaining what it is in the, in the bigger scheme of Bitcoin, but also about the implications beyond just the mathematical component of it. Right. Yes. I mean, the havings to a certain degree is, very self-explanatory once you understand what the having refers to, but it, it does take some time to say, okay, well, what does this actually mean, and what are the implications going forward in in a lot of different areas, right? Not just from supply side, but from a like a general kind of ebb and flow of what would otherwise be a different kind of a periodic cycle. Right. Yes. And so with that in mind, I was like, you know what? I can't believe I've never done this. I was like, I'm going to go to a couple close friends slash family members that I know are recent first time buyers of Bitcoin. And I'm just going to flat out ask them. So yeah. that was my that was my kind of Jay Leno on the street moment. Right. <laughs> so, so I I spoke to a friend of mine. I said, hey, listen, by the way, I just, I, before you start, just as a quick aside, that but, is such a useful exercise to do. Talk about reading, uh, reading the pulse of of the community or something. When you when you actually talk to people who may have already owned Bitcoin, maybe they don't. But either way, you just bounce these questions off them. The responses are fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'll, let, you, I'll let you get into it. Like uh, you know, like Hitchens used to say, the reason he debated, you know, the religious like you know rabbis and and priests and stuff, you know, week after week, you know, toward the last few years of his life. People ask him, like, you know, why why spend your weeks like doing this? And I think mm-hmm. his answer was like, because I'm always fascinated about the next thing they're gonna say. So <laughs> <laughs> from his perspective, there was very little consistency. So, you know, 
in that light, I think I did kind of did the same thing. I'm like, well, you know, it's one thing for me to have a view on all this or, you know, you and I can can do this and eventually it would be an echo chamber if we never did this. Oh, right. So, so I thought, okay, I'm just going to be point blank, ask the question, hey, you just bought some Bitcoin a couple months ago. Let me ask you a question. What do you know? Have you ever heard of the halving? And number one, and, and if you have, what, what what do you think it is? Like, you know, and how, do, and how do you think it matters? And so my first friend had, he's like, what, the what? I said, the halving. <laughs> and, and, and he's he's pretty sarcastic generally. And the first thing was like, sounds something from like, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings, like it's some sort of, you know, and of course all the jokes came out and uh, <laughs> he was like, just the name makes me want to talk about this less. And, you know, like it was just like every, every like fight or flight instinct in his body, like oh, took over. I know. Right? He's like, God damn it. I knew this was a terrible idea. Right. It, it, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's the upshot is like, God damn it. Why, why did you have to, was it just not enough that I'm going to go in on faith and I see this thing bouncing around, but eventually I think it's going to be worth more than what I purchased it for. And can we just leave it at that? Right. Right. And, right. Which God knows there's plenty of things in life that I, I feel the same way about, uh, you know, like music bands, like all kind of like, you, you don't want to, you know, like you said, don't, you don't want to meet your heroes. Right. Oh, for and, sure. And so this is kind of, you're, you're walking that tightrope. Like the more I get into it, am I, am I going to be the worst for it? Right. Because if that's not your thing and, and I think yeah. it's actually a fair way to, to, to be. And, and I think even the very first couple of times we tried this, I think I made it clear that, you know, there is a bigger faith component for me than there is for you. And I was almost intimidated by going into like, I just, I like it. Like, I get it. I don't need to know more. Right. But I think if you're, if you are an intellectual, if you are going to put more than a de minimis uh, percentage of your net worth in this thing, then you're going to have to make some decisions and say like, should I at least be a little bit more informed about more of the details of this thing? So I think that's right. fair for most investments that people make. At some point, you're going to reach a tipping point where it doesn't make sense. So anyway, so that was like the, the first foray into this conversation. And so the, the, the short answer was like, no, it sounds ridiculous. Sounds, you know, like any, like, this sounds like something that, you know, uh, really makes it, you know, sit at home with me that this is a cult and you have yeah, all these cultish. weird terms. Totally. And, yeah, it's very cultish. But I, but I did my best in, in very brief terms to explain it to him. And, and then after I was like, okay, you know, interesting. Didn't go much further, but it's like, okay, I get it, you know, and fair. So I think that the takeaway for this first person was, I didn't know that, but now knowing the bas basics of it, I think it eventually, I want to say, you know, not to bore people with the, the entire conversation, yeah, yeah. but I think the upshot was that it reinforced his conviction that the thing that makes Bitcoin better than alternatives is the hard cap. And so now we are, for, for lack of a better term, exponentially approaching the hard cap. It's not right. linear, right? There's a, no, it, there's a it's an exponential it. hard cap is what yeah, the, ha exactly. right, the havings turbo boost, the hard cap or right, something. Right. So yeah. just on that like basic mathematical level without getting further into it, it's like, great. So now you, there was a way for this person to be like, I got into it for the hard cap and I'm staying for the havings. 
without having said it so overtly. Sure. Right? Okay. Okay. Well, that's by the way. Okay. So that's progress. That's progress of a sort. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, um, but I think so. The takeaways from from our perspective that we're always trying to gauge like where the average person and average is in in quotes meaning is the average person someone who doesn't own any bitcoin or is it the average person of a bitcoin owner i mean you know or a wealthy person that doesn't own it like you can break this down into any kind of subcategory oh, yeah. but i think it's important to have a cross section of the public to see hey do you know what this is and once i explain it to you are you more or less inclined to go buy more yeah. Something, By the way, something which I feel like those questions. It, it almost has to be a Bitcoin owner. If you just stop a random yeah. person on the well, street doesn't own any, the odds are almost that's infinitesimal. That they, right? That, that's it, right. But, but that's, that's also, it just shows you the degree of early, right? I, so yeah. many things just get back to that with me, right? It's every time we come up against these kind of issues about how people just know nothing. Even the owners of Bitcoin know essentially nothing about how it actually works. It's like, I literally, I just, I can't help myself from wanting to just grab my phone and buy more. Yeah, you're right. Right. I think like the analogy might be, you talk to somebody, if you talk to a European about American football, you would never ask them what they think about an RPO. They'd be like, like, what's the point? <laughs> right. So, uh, wait, but the end is crashing down. So wait, you, wait, what do we, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the, um, like, right. Maybe we should back exactly. it up for the, the non-follower. All right. So, right. so that's a good point. So we're, we're certainly not going to, you know, knock on people's doors like on Sunday mornings and and ask about the havings, right? No, like, I tried be... that. I almost got shot. Yeah. And I, so I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so fair enough. Okay, so that was that was part one. So part two was my brother. Okay. Who... Oh, I got to hear this. Okay. So, and he's, you know, so he he's a, he's a smart guy, but he's also you know, I wouldn't say like he's smart in an intellectual sense, right? Like he's, you know, he's more kind of street savvy, surfing, surfing you know, like, you know, goes along the surface of the water, right? With, with most things. And yeah. that's just his, his MO, which is fine. And I finally warmed down, got into Bitcoin on the way down from the high, but not quite off the high enough for him to swear me for the, the last year. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, ironically now he, from a price perspective, even though he's still underwater from his purchase, he is completely a changed person. Like he's, he's starting to get it, which goes back to your thing about if you're not in it for a cycle, you know, nothing until you've gone through a full cycle, you need a full right? cycle, you need a full cycle. So he's, he's halfway there and it's starting to resonate. And so now he's, you know, what kind of asset allocation, shifts can I do to add to this? Or like yep. that's, that he's already in that mode. So that's talking about progress. That certainly is. Uh, but that is, but those are the lessons that is, that are purely empirical, right? You're, you're in it long enough. You're, you're, you're watching it every week, month, God forbid day, which I don't uh, mm. recommend to anybody, but no, you no, know, no. over time. So he, he's there in his, in his Bitcoin journey of, okay, I saw the bottom, like I'm back from the abyss. And so now let's, and with a clear mind, not with a, and also to give him credit, it's not like back up the truck right here. It can never go lower. Like he's just starting to see that, okay, 
yeah, you know, the Vault Tale is a feature, not a bug. Yep. Uh, th this is the way it is. But the fact that it's, you know, so far off the bottom of this last cycle kind of gives you some pauses. Like, okay, every time it's going to do that, I think it's like without without saying the words, you realize that, that going to zero becomes less and less of a probability every single day that it's non-zero. And certainly every day that it's not at a, you know, that it's at a new all-time low in the cycle. I think that right. those are two things that really start to, to hit home. All right. So now we go, hey, the having. So after the 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 mandatory, oh, you mean what it does to my portfolio? <laughs> you know, so I was like, okay, that, that's fair, right? Um, that's part of the, the Bitcoin humor, I guess. Wait, wait, hold so, on. Say that again. Wait, say that. Just do that again. You mean what it did to my portfolio? Yes. Wait. Oh, perfect. I love it. Uh, I finally, I think I'm figuring out some of these uh, sound effects that I can do here. You're all right. You're like a Neil Rogers yeah, pro now. Like Neil Rogers, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I, I had to get over, you know, those, you know, witty remarks. But then I, I explained it what it was again. And to the best of my ability. So, again, I probably didn't convey the message like Elon Musk could. But, you know, so we talk about it and, you know, his initial response, like after a, a short thinking about it was, well, okay, you know, that makes sense because isn't that the way nature is? You know, yeah. so I could tell the mind is working to, you know, Fibonacci sequences to, um, you know, the concept of if you move halfway to the wall, you'll never reach it. That, yep. those, you know, those kind of things, right? And I said, so he's like, so his his initial thing was, yeah, but but almost downplaying it. So so what I heard from him was like, yeah, great, but that's the these characteristics are found in nature. So it's not that big a you know, why should we be surprised? And so then I found myself saying, You're right, the, these these characteristics are found in nature. But the difference here is Bitcoin isn't natural. Someone had to come up with the idea. So of course you can look at a escargot shell and see Fibonacci or mm -hmm. you know, we can see the Vitruvian man and like, mm -hmm. okay, yes. But the idea that someone could say, all right, I'm going to come up with a better alternative to a global currency and incorporate for certain things that you see in nature, that I think is much more interesting. So, you know, so that, that's the way that conversation went. And so I was really taken aback by, okay, so if somebody starts seeing these parallels, that's great, but I'm kind of at the point where where I'm I'm in awe of the parallels because I know that I'm not smart enough to have I can see it in nature, but if you would ask me as a project in in some sophomore like social sciences class, I couldn't have come up with one or an econ class to you know to to mimic those natural tendencies. So anyway, that that those are the two things I saw. Like, and by the end, I, I other than being just you know kind of naturally cynical or sarcastic, I think the, the bottom line is no one is going to leave a brief conversation about the having that it's like someone who's vested and, you know, and feel worse about it. They always like, oh, wow, that is interesting. Yeah. And well, so there you go. So I'll, I'll leave it down, you know, probably. Well, that's, by the way, that is, that is some higher level thinking, truly, to see the natural pattern in it. Because 
my God, I mean, it's it's a theme we return to all the time about Bitcoin. It's yeah, it's digital, but man, is this thing it's it's a thing of nature. Yeah, it is. It is an like an organic thing of nature that just adheres to so many natural principles of the universe that yep. it is just staggering. Wow. Okay, it's, that well, something so had to, that something had to something someone you know whatever it is had to come up with it and had you know it slash they not we wouldn't be here today mm-hmm. i mean that that's the bottom line that then if, if it hadn't incorporated those things we would be talking about it like a shit coin and not the not the perfect you know cryptocurrency digital currency yeah. that it is it's the perfect money it's the perfect money right yeah so well, that's there incredible. we go so by the way so by, congratulations you have done your duty you get um i hope you get a little kickback from both of them when we're at new all-time highs for bringing them on board no hold on that you can you know for sure <laughs> you can take that to the bank yeah. buy, buy you uh buy you a dinner buy you a steak dinner maybe uh, something yeah. like that yeah when first we round 100, when we yeah. cross 100 they're everyone we've orange pilled they they owe us a steak dinner something absolutely a nice a gesture. just a jet by the way anyone listening hello remember this it's just a gesture that's all yeah, Dan, Dan uh, and I work for for nice bottles of Napa cabs. That's right, Dusty Rutherford. Yep. You know the acreage right in middle Mid Valley there. <laughs> Rutherford would be nice, ninety five or better. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, sure, a little Farniente, a little checkerboard. Farniente yeah. would be would be just fine. Yeah, that would be excellent. We'll take it. Um, okay, well, look, that's great. That's great. I, I love hearing this stuff. Truly, this is this is why we're doing the pods. And it's nice to get some actual one-on-one feedback from somebody who could have listened. And I mean, by the way, both of those people could have listened to this pod we're doing right now about the havings and stuff, and you wouldn't necessarily get the direct feedback. And by the way, right. I encourage anyone who's listening, we, we want feedback. We really welcome it. Hit us up anyway. If you know us, hit us up in person. You can reach, you know, hit us up on Twitter at One Way Ratchet. And we'd love any feedback. We want to make these educational, entertaining, and, and address any of the questions and concerns that people have. So, okay, let's get into the having stuff. We have to get into the mechanics of them and explain how they work, which is a little, some numbers here or some, some math, but it's not really complicated. And, and then we can talk about their implications because it's the implications, which is the real, that's where the money is. And that's where the rubber hits the road. But you have to at least, we ha- at least have to explain it. So the havings. Okay. Just for anyone who doesn't know, and I'm guessing any, a lot of people listening won't know, is the way Bitcoin comes into the world is through mining. And Bitcoin comes into the world every day. And it's awarded to miners who are winning the block reward every 10 minutes on average. So the things to remember are that there's a, a winning block on average every 10 minutes, and that miner is awarded Bitcoin. Miners are paid in Bitcoin in exchange for their computing power and their energy costs that people are essentially donating to the Bitcoin network in the hopes of winning a block reward. Okay. Long story short is the block rewards that are given to miners every day get cut in half every four years. Technically, it's every 210,000 blocks because Bitcoin time is block time. All Bitcoin time, you know, Bitcoin doesn't really know human clocks. It knows the Bitcoin block times. But the Bitcoin blocks, 210,000 equates to roughly every four years. 
And so every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that comes into the world every day gets cut in half. That's why it's called the halvings. And that's really it. I mean, that, that's the main concept. And so, but just a couple things about it are, the, first of all, the design choice that Satoshi chose this way for Bitcoin to come into the world. Because let me just give a couple other counterexamples of what he did not choose. He did not choose for all 21 million Bitcoin to exist on day one. For example, he could have issued them to himself as, the, say, the central bank of Bitcoin, and then he would sell them into the market over time. But certainly, that's one, one way it could have been done. It could have been done evenly on a consistent supply schedule all the way through some period of time. But instead, he picked this exponentially declining or becoming exponentially scarce over time every four years. And I just think the, that's just like the first thing I want to stop, pause on that, and just the genius. And it gets back, you know, it sort of ties it right back into what you were saying when you talked to your brother about, say, the Nautilus shell or things in nature that share this pattern of this having that the things, you know, become smaller by half and then smaller by half and smaller by half. Those patterns exist in nature. Yeah. And, and I think we, the other, I mean, you, you brought up all the things that, that could have been done that would have been suboptimal to, the, to this way. And I mean, I'm not even sure there's a better way to do it. You, you, could, you could have changed, the, I guess, the denominator or something, but, but just the concept of early bird gets the worm too. So if it was linearly, then there wouldn't, there's no incentive to go early because you also have to remember that the way it comes into being is we, you need a contribution of computing power to make mm -hmm. the entire thing work. So mm -hmm. if you don't, so I, mean, I can only imagine what it must be like, assuming there would have been like a, almost like a boardroom discussion of how to begin this thing. You know what I mean? And the back and forth. And well, how do you incentivize, like, again, the early birds, right? And how do you keep it under the radar of, you know, of, of uh, the bad actors? And I mean, yep. this thing solves so many things simultaneously without, I mean, I, I can't imagine that they, they could have, you know, like when, you were, when, you're, when you're maximizing a, an equation, I mean, how did... It's incredible that they were able to maximize it for so many things simultaneously. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny you say the equation because they're actually, and I just, we just talked about it before the pod, but there actually is an equation. There is mm -hmm. one math equation, which is the entire Bitcoin block, or I'm sorry, the entire Bitcoin supply schedule over 140 some years where you see this, 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 pattern where it becomes exponentially more scarce. It gets cut in half every four years. And like you said, I mean, look, I think one thing we just need to talk about is just that, that genius, that decision to make the early days, it's, it's so heavily skewed to the early days. And then it plateaus and it becomes just almost like flatlining into 21 million for decades. And w w ramifications of that, right? Because Satoshi was trying to bootstrap global money out of nothing, out of nothing with no investment in it. 
right? It's not like a, a, a Facebook trying to do it with, with an unlimited war chest and just trying to start from that kind of position. No, starting with a couple math nerds on a message board to bootstrap global money, unstoppable global money that could withstand a nation state attack. Right. And to start with, hey, here's, here's, a, here's an idea. We need to reward people for donating their computing power and their energy costs to the network. How do we do that? We don't have any money. How do we do that then? So how you do it is you have a native currency of Bitcoin that you were, you were paid in Bitcoin. Right, so Bitcoin is the first blockchain. They're the Bitcoin Satoshi came up with this concept. We have to reward the people participating by giving us the compute by the you know putting their computing power and energy costs into it. We have to compensate them with this new currency, Bitcoin. And like you said, the earlier bird gets the worm. That's so true. We have to make the incentive to do it way stronger in the beginning. Right, I mean that's just the genius part. Yeah, well, because well, how well simultaneously, well, simultaneously, not making as if, you know making it as if they have a, a ability to control the price of it, but at the same time, where it's so it, w- it would be completely not worthwhile mm-hmm. for a bad actor to even try to in- incorporate themselves into something when the when you know Bitcoin are going for ten dollars a Bitcoin. Like right. there, there's, it's just layer upon layer of, of kind of genius thinking. And, oh yeah. And again, the the thing you talked about that, that there's the the supply schedule equation, you know, which is already great. But I always come back to one step forward. What what was the question to to get to that equation? What were they solving for? Yeah. What were they solving for? Right. Right. And and you know, and like you said, you do that in, you know, like in, like even in algebra two. Every every sophomore in high school is doing that, but it's one thing at a time, right? You're like you're solving, for, you know, you throw a ball in the air. Like, at what point is the ball moving at its fastest? At what point is it at its maximum height? Like, but you can only do one, or you're only yeah. solving for one thing, one variable at a time. And here it seems like this equation solved for multiple things simultaneously. That without it, we wouldn't be here today. We we're just not we talking about it. That's right. That's right. I just for um I just posted so Greg you can see it and we've you know we've talked about this before but I'm going to post this in the show notes. This is the actual supply schedule, and it shows every having the the year that the having takes place, and the actual block reward that goes to miners per block. And I'll just quickly I'm not going to spend a lot of time but just for people who who are not seeing this obviously, the initial block reward. At at the at Genesis, so when Bitcoin first launched, was fifty Bitcoin per block. So every ten minutes, a miner was given fifty Bitcoin, which of course then it had no price back then. And then during that time, it eventually got Bitcoin got a price in the pennies. And so of course, people at that time maybe didn't recognize its full potential, but still, you had to you had to start somewhere. You had had to create that first wave of adoption just to get people mining, just to just to put their computing power into this network and start being awarded Bitcoin, because then over time, 
that Bitcoin does eventually get sold into the marketplace. And so it gets distributed around the world to other people. This is how Bitcoin come into the world. There is no central bank of Bitcoin. There is no issuer, a company issuing stock or a central bank issuing more treasuries or, or printing more currency. Those are, that is how, I think that's the easy way to, to think of like where money or where securities come from. But Bitcoin, it's incredible. It's this decentralized network that has no issuer. And the, this is how Bitcoin are created. It's from this decentralized network where someone who wins the block reward. And so it started at 50. And then, of course, four years later, it was cut to 25. Four years later, 12 and a half. In the current period we're in now, the miner gets 6.25 Bitcoin every 10 minutes. So at today's dollars, you know, the price of Bitcoin today, what, like 36, 37,000? That's a lot of money. It's well over $200,000 in value goes to a miner every 10 minutes. And so that encourages more and more and more people to join the network. 93% of all Bitcoin that will ever exist have already been mined and are already exist in the world in the first 15 years. And then the remaining 7% will be mined over the next 120 years. And that's the thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we, let's pause on that for a second. And the, the implications of that are pretty staggering. I was actually going to, I had a thought while you were going through that, uh, not graph, but the, you know, the chart. Yep. Let me ask you a question. Had you, was it 2012 that it was 25 Bitcoin? Is that what it said on that yep. thing? Yep. Okay. So, just over 10 years ago. Let's say that you were the winner of a, of a block of 25 Bitcoin back then. I don't know what the price was. Okay. Maybe, yep. maybe we can fathom a guess. Could you fathom a guess of what it was? Well, it was, it's yeah. a four year. So that 25 Bitcoin block like a four over a four year period. So it's a big range, but it probably so got to a, a thousand, probably, probably hit a thousand during that time. All right, a thousand. So let's because say it went from, from the high or the mid range? Probably the high, mid range, mid range, couple hundred bucks. Okay. So let's say, um, so let's say your, your Bitcoin, your, your 25 Bitcoin, just to run off five grand. Yeah. Worth five grand at the time. Okay. So all of a sudden, you've got five grand worth of Bitcoin. You got 25 sitting in your wallet. Yep. And you're like, cool. I'm going to hang on to these. I'm no longer mining. I just, you know, I did what I had to do. I got my 25 Bitcoin. Okay. Fast forward a few years. At, do you think you would have sold any? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. How many do you think you'd have left? Great question. I think the vast majority would have been sold. First of all, unless you... For, a lot of these miners, they have to sell some initially right away to cover their costs. I know. I'm talking about right. you. Personally. I'm trying oh, to get to. Yeah. Yes. Think of think of all the times that you would have thought between then and now, whether it's the peak at 19 or the peak at certainly the peak at 69 or anything in between. But if, if your cost basis is like in the in even, you know, let's just say a couple hundred bucks, 
a thousand Bitcoin hits a thousand dollars, you're gonna you're gonna get a five X. Two thousand dollars. It's a ten X. I mean, you, you know, there's you have so many points that you would have sold, and I guarantee you, I would have sold the the vast majority, if not all, by now. Okay, so you don't think you have it? You think you'd have none left? Well, no. What I mean is, at the given, I have to go back to think of how I would have thought about it. You know, ten years ago. Ah, which is which is exactly where I'm going with my yeah, my yeah. Little experiment, right? Yeah, if yeah. you would have been fortunate, if anybody would have been fortunate to at least hang on to some, okay, so you got 25, let's say by some miracle, you had five left. Right. Okay, you unloaded 20, you know, at various times in the, in the last decade, and you got five left. And now we find ourselves today where we are today, okay? My guess is those five aren't going anywhere, ever. If you have, oh yeah, I see where you're going with this. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So my my thought experiment was, if you somehow you were able to tie yourself to the mast while the sirens are singing, and you you know what I mean, and you hung on to 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 some portion of them. In this case, just let's use five out of the original twenty five, right? Yep. I think about your conviction now, after seeing all that. You probably you know be pissed at yourself for getting rid of the other 20 or whatever, but you, for sure those five are never going anywhere. And I guess my, the way I, what I was trying to get to is, so really what that shows you is most likely everyone who holds something for 10 years is going to get to that same place. So you can yeah. almost take any decade long interval. And so anybody who's, who's bought a year ago, or three years ago, or today, if you can start thinking about it in those terms, not to be like, I can't believe the idiot who bought it a thousand sold. That's that's <laughs> that, that's like infantile, right? Like right, everyone's right. gonna have that pull with a huge gain. But the question is, if you were somehow able to overcome it, at some point you get to you're gonna realize that this thing is is a there's a there's a term for this, like something about a ratchet and it's only going in one direction. <laughs> Right. Well, but, yeah. Well, conviction anyway, so, only grows, just like adoption yeah. only grows. They're a function of time. They're a function. They're, they're a function of time. So one of the things that people who are coming into this more recently should always try to anchor themselves to that. Like put yep. yourself in the position of 2012 and say, okay, had you been fortunate enough to even. You know, and, and you can't say that somebody who bought from Tesla gave it to me. It's you've got to earn it. You've got to earn it through going through that those ups and downs. But then once you come out the back end of of a decade long hold, and then things become very clear. I mean, the conviction, like you said, should be on overdrive, and and then think about it going forward for the next decade. And so I think the same thing to the extent possible. The same thing should be done by somebody like my brother who was about a year into his holding. Yes. Like, right. I mean, well, so I, I, that's what I was going to get to. Anyway, might be, so maybe I going off on a tangent, but no, no, but I no. Think it's I think important it's, because we're looking at it over some sort of timeline. So this isn't what I was intending to show, which is the cycles, because the thing, the implications of these four year having dynamics is it creates this price movement cycles, which we'll get to. But you brought up something that is, I, I think it's so powerful. And actually on today's Weekly Ratchet, I just did, I actually kind of went into this, which is 
holder conviction, conviction of long-term holders. It's one of the metrics that's so powerful because everything is trackable. And we can see on the blockchain, this public ledger in the sky that is visible for all to see, is how long coins have sat in their address without moving. And you can draw a very, a very powerful inference from coins that have not moved in a certain period of time, just, just like what you're saying. What does it tell you about a coin that hasn't moved in 10 years? They've ridden the wave to 19, back down to you know, two grand, up yeah. to 69, down to 16, now at 37. You think they're selling at 40 after yeah. they've done all that or at 60 or even at 100? So let me just share it because I don't know how much you've seen of things like this. This just shows you the percentage of Bitcoin that has sat dormant, that has not moved in one year, two years, three years, and over five years. So those are the four age wow. bands. And I don't know. I mean, look, does, does this look like any, is there any kind of pattern here? Is there sort of any up and to the right over time? The bottom one, this is Bitcoin that has not moved in over five years. It just keeps rising. It's now upwards about 30% of all Bitcoin has not moved in over five years. Think about what's happened in five years, right? The, the, the runs up and the runs down and the black swans and so many failures and yeah. Oh yeah. Right. All the, a lot of bad news, but also just some big runs. Yeah. In five years, if you saw your investment go from a couple grand to 69 grand, and you didn't sell, and then back down to 16, and you know, like I just said, it shows so much conviction. I mean, the top line, the red, is also that 70%, roughly, of Bitcoin has not moved in over a year. A year in which the price has more than doubled. So price has more than doubled. I think if you were to look at any other asset and the price doubles in a year, a lot more people are selling. They're taking profits. But that 70% have it. By the way, this is severely underreporting too, because this just shows the coins that have not moved. But if you move coins within your own setup, like from one address that you control to another, you get a new hardware wallet, or you're moving your coins off an exchange to a hardware wallet, well, those coins moved. Right, so wouldn't it wouldn't it. be part of this, but yet right. you're, so if, so by definition, it's actually significantly higher. Yep. So this, this is, so this is really just a graphic way of, of, of showing exactly what you were just saying. in that example of like the, the miner that's held for this long. And that's why when you put that together, so it, you put the two parts of this together, the it's, it's almost a miracle that there are any down days. Well, right. <laughs> If there weren't just shenanigans in the marketplace, seriously, with Binance and the, the powers right. that be, right? Because think about what you, because there's so little float, there is so little liquid supply that's actually traded. It's a tiny fraction of Bitcoin that are actually traded on any, any given day. But that, those trades set the price at the margin, at the far margin. But the vast majority of coins are not moving. That's why the day-to-day -day price is it's just a noise. I mean, we talk about that. That's a central theme. It's boring. Day-to-day -day price is just so boring. It's meaningless. It's 
the direction of price over time. And when you put it together that how many of these coins are not moving of the existing supply, and then the new supply has been cut in half at the halvings, all we need is a spark. There's just a spark. There is a powder keg, mountain of powder kegs that are about to explode because people are not selling. So any demand catalyst is sending this price up rapidly. Okay. So this is really the chart that I think is the most eye-opening. For anyone who is, you know, may own Bitcoin, may be interested in Bitcoin, may see that it has long-term value, may know nothing about the halvings, but this chart really lays out the mechanics of, of how this works. And again, posted in the show notes, it, it lays out the price of Bitcoin over time and it shows what the price was at the halvings. And then the high point and the low point in price of each cycle, of each four-year cycle. And really, so this is the thing I just want to, you know, sort of spend the rest of the pod just talking about these cycles. Because on the one hand, yes, I mean, we just think price is going up over time. I get it. I do. And I know you do too. And we don't know that these patterns are going to continue. But I would, I'm not betting against them. At least, you know, I'll, I'll believe the cycles are over when I see that the cycles are over. And so far, the one we're currently on, it is, it is acting literally right on cue, the way price is moving. Right on cue, just like the previous cycles. As I said before, there's been only three halvings so far. And the next one, which I don't know if I've made this clear all throughout the pod, the next halving is in April. In April, six months away. And it is a seismic event in Bitcoin. And just based on the previous three cycles, here, here's the Bitcoin price, the three previous halvings. $12 on the first one. Four years later, the price was $648 on the halving. So in four years, from 12 to 648 and then four years later, on the third halving, it was at 9,000. So some, from 648 to 9,000. And yeah, in between, price is pretty spiky. It goes up and down. It goes on big runs, corrects, then comes up again. Big run, corrects. And here we are. I mean, price is at roughly around 37 today. Then it would have gone from 9,000 to 37,000. Oh, what, a roughly 6x for four years? We're, we're, this, this shows what the impact of the halvings have, this increased scarcity. I was going to say, like, I mean, I'm mesmerized by it because while you're talking about it, it, it does, you know, when you, when you first get in, I think you're, I think it's, it's a natural reaction to kind of want to see things happen very quickly. Yes. But if, you, if you're able to take that out, and just take a couple steps back. I think, you know, a four-year cycle. I mean, any financial advisor wouldn't, you know, wouldn't tell wouldn't tell you to think about your stock portfolio for less than four years. As a matter of fact, yeah, right? It's like it's holding interested in holding. Uh, yeah, it's like buying Amazon in O two and saying, I just, yeah, I just really want to hold for four years. Right. I mean, so when you think about it like that, I mean, 
these things are they're incredible. And even if they and even if they don't and even if they don't replicate in terms of multiples, even if the multiples get cut in half over the next halvings, where else are you going to find those returns? Again, not to, to go back full circle to you know the, the Bitcoin standard. I mean, this is the you know no, no one's saying that you should become a Bitcoin miner, but no matter what your profession is today, and when we talk about savings and socking away, we finally have something that is true savings, as true opposed savings. to you know having to play you know like solo Warren Buffett. Right, which is what right. everybody's had to like become over the last couple of decades. Well, it's I'm so glad you brought that up because I mean, so Safedine just says it all so well in that book. But one of my favorite lines from the book is something like, "In the fiat world, because of the debasement, because its money keeps going down in value, to grow your wealth over time, you need to earn your money twice." Right. You have to have your job, which brings in the money, whatever money you can make in life. And then you hopefully have some savings left over, but you have to then have your second job of becoming a hedge fund manager of your own household to properly invest that savings. And you have to invest it to beat the debasement and impact of inflation and money printing and all that. And so, my God, what if you had an asset that was true savings that yep. just goes up in value over time just by holding that asset? And that's it. I mean, that's literally it. And that's Bitcoin. I mean, it, it's funny you say savings because that's how a lot of real, the real, the people who've been around Bitcoin the longest, that is the term they use for Bitcoin. It's never investing. It's right. just saving. It's savings. It's saving. That's and right. It's been so long since we've had, had an option that people look at you like you're crazy. I mean, you know, central banks have turned the word the term saving into a into a punchline. Well, it talk about disincentivizing savings. Mm -hmm. Want to see your your money melt in front of your eyes? How would you like to hold long bonds now? I mean, you're getting wiped out. It's like the worst. Excuse me for a second. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Let me take a sip before. Yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't you, turn all you, over your new computer there. You you want me to to loan you money and. You as in the government at what for how what were you nuts? Right. Yeah, okay. Right. Oh well, well I, I'm happy to lend them the money. I mean, they they do such a bang up job with it. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! Well, it is it is so staggering. I mean, to assume that these patterns are going to repeat themselves like clockwork every time would be silly. We just don't know. I also think giving the having right the mechanics of the supply shock every four years we'd be real silly to bet against them. Even if it's diminishing returns, even if we're never going to repeat the performance of the first cycle when Bitcoin is priced 10, 10 bucks, right? Of course, to go from 10 bucks to a hundred bucks to a thousand bucks. Okay. We're never going to see those kind of percentage returns again. But at the same time, the, the world's never seen an asset that's this, that is basically this in this many diamond hands. There are people are not selling. When, a tsunami of capital, no professional money. I mean, no managed money. The wealth managers, they, they, they're not allowed to buy it yet. There, there are so many large allocators, pools of large allocators that have had no access to Bitcoin yet. 
Yeah, it's been yeah. entirely retail, mom and pop buyers. And this is the, what other asset in the world has have retail been able to front run the big Wall Street guys for for a decade, and still can. By the way, we still have time. And still, and still can, right? Absolutely. And the genius of the four years is that you know, if you think about it, like from World Cup kind of point of view, yeah. I mean, that only comes every once in four years. If it came every three months. Americans wouldn't give a shit, but boy, every four years they get really excited about you know kicking a raw uh, around ball around a big grassy field. So, I mean, think about what's going to happen as we approach April. Well, I don't care who you are. You just you just said a mouthful there, and I never really thought of it that way. But that is it is it's exactly the same dynamic. How, how many people in the world do you know that are? Top, you know, top drawer, mathematicians, computer programmers, and behavioral psychologists. Yeah, and libertarian. And, and, and then that is how you get to where, you know, that's how you get the Bitcoin. I mean, you need to be a master in all those components. It combines. You have to be a genius in, in about six or seven disciplines to come up with this. Yeah. It's incredible. Oh. So I don't Oof. know. I, I, I need a nice bath. <laughs> but look, you can. I think you're a good barometer for me. You know, I mean, look, this is we're a good team here because I can be, I can be hyperbolic and be very excited about it. But I think you you can be more of a voice of reason. You you see this too, right? You see what's happening here. It's undeniable. It, yeah, and I mean, like, listen, all all you can do is is debate the details. And you know what I mean about is the next cycle going to be bigger, smaller, some, again, some Fibonacci number lower than the last, like, but mm -hmm. whatever it is, go, go find a better use of your capital. Right. Good luck. Good luck. Do you know that, because, I mean, because of the halvings and the way this works, there has never been a day in Bitcoin's history that the four-year that basically, if you compare four prices four years ago, that the price has been at least double. Oh, geez. Every day. There's never been a day in Bitcoin's 15-year history where you look back four years and look at the price, compare the prices, that has, the, the worst it's been has been more than double. That's with all the cycles, all the ups and downs, all the volatility. You know, we both know that rules like that are meant to be broken. You know, this unlikely that that will continue forever but maybe not we don't know maybe it will the way because the halvings i mean look the halvings it it kind of makes sense right supply has been daily supply has been cut in half every four years that so you would think oh yeah well price should double then every four years at least of course it's done way more than that but man i just look at these halvings is this is the real alpha to the extent that there's alpha in bitcoin it's it's really knowing those because by studying those, and there's a lot of other metrics about price and stuff that we'll get into different times, but just to know when Bitcoin is say very undervalued and also very overvalued. And if you just get better at recognizing those patterns and paying attention to those metrics, the the jet fuel that that puts into your returns versus just simply holding Bitcoin. 
which will already just simply holding Bitcoin will be the best performing asset that you'll ever see. Right. And already it has been. It's, it's almost as if you're saying that these four year halvings don't come along every day. <laughs> is, is that what you're going to get? <laughs> yeah. Well, what if you could. In, sorry, if you I'm, could I'm just, so terrible. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's, I'm going to myself out. No, I appreciate it. Look, I can. The sound of my voice yammering on in positive ways about Bitcoin. Trust me. I, I, I'm, it's hard for me to live with it sometimes. Um, no, please. I, need, I do need a. Um, I need like a. I don't know, like a safe word or something that we should create. I also think that, you know, again, there's there's a reason why human nature, like we have annual celebrations, semi-annual, biannual, you know, and, and this thing happens to be just like elections, the World Cup and the Olympics. It's like this four-year cycle is a great way to put a pin in. It's like a great time. Like I said, you look backwards, like how far we've come and we – you know, we're trying to isolate some of the, the good and the bad and the ugly and then say, OK, well, what are the implications for the next four years? I think it's just a great like I said, it's a, it's a great way to to demarcate a line in the sand. I'd like to say arbitrarily, but there's probably a little bit more to it than arbitrary, but it doesn't really matter. Right. It's just a periodic. Again, line in the sand where it allows you to do a retrospective kind of analysis and then some sort of what's our best guess for the next four years that's right as opposed to doing the the day-to-day -day yammering of a cnbc type thing which is which is just beyond it's like mind-numbing oh right so, yeah i think this is way better way better and i would just say i mean just to pick up on what you your thoughts there it really is zoom out it is just take the long view it's and it's hard i'm not saying this is easy and you have to spend time in bitcoin like we said you really need a full cycle if you're interested in Bitcoin and buying and holding Bitcoin, you need to have a long view. And there is no substitute for the four years, whenever you get in, the four years, whenever, you know, depending on whenever you make your first buy, if you take it four years, you will have seen the dynamics of a complete cycle. And just look at over time and ask yourself, has there ever been anyone in Bitcoin who goes back, you know, looks back and says, oh, I, I wish I had bought less? years ago <laughs> right and that really that's i mean that's i think that's a culmination of what we're saying here and all everything and this increasing scarcity hard cap combination with just demand only adoption and demand only growing there are no other assets in the world that are like this and it's worth learning more and more about it and look i think study the charts look in the show notes at this the chart i'm you know about the cycles just stare, look at it. Anyone listening, look at that for about a minute. And, and then please let us know any, any reasons you can think of not to buy some, buy and hold some, whatever you're comfortable with. That's, that's my last uh, thought on it. I love it. Okay. There you go. All right, people. Uh, thank you for listening. None of this has been financial advice. We're not financial advisors. And thanks for listening. We'll talk one. to you next time. All right. See you.